So, as we are continuing our series, Straight Facts. How many of you have been a part of this series since the beginning? How many of you have been here since the beginning? All right. We are on week, uh, what is it, four? Five? Four. We're on week four. I don't even know which week we're on. We're on week four. And uh, we, as we have been journeying through, we started with creation. We dealt with creation. Then we talked about God, where he came from. Then we talked about Jesus. That was last week. It was so incredibly amazing. And then tonight we are diving into what uh, many scholars and uh, people have studied their whole lives and devoted their whole lives to is God's Word. We're going to be talking about the Bible tonight. Now there are a lot of different ways that we could talk about the Bible. But as we think about it apologetically, we need to understand the whole context of this book. Because this book is what we put our faith upon. This is how we know God. This is how we understand salvation. This is how we know how we are to live in a godly manner. This book is everything to us, isn't it? Like it really is. As a believer in Christ, if you're not engaging in God's word, you might be missing just a little bit about God. Because how we come to know God is through this book. So this book is pretty important, right? And if you have doubts about this book, or if you have questions about this book, or if you're at that place where, I don't need it, I got it. You know, I don't need God to tell me what to do, I'm good. You know, you put it off to the side. This book is absolutely imperative. That's a big word. Absolutely imperative for us to understand, to study, and to know. But some of you are thinking, oh, it's too many big words. I don't understand what it's saying. It's like King James, thee, thou, though, thus, and I don't know. And there's so many different translations. We could talk about that here in a few minutes. But how, here's the question I want you to think about it. How do you know this to be true? Boy, that's a deep thought. That's a deep question. How do I know that this book is true? How do you know that to be true? That is a question I think a lot of people ask a lot. When you're in this argument or when you're talking with someone, if you want to be the great equalizer of the conversation and they're like sharing their opinions and they're talking about, you know, they're jabbering about this, if you ask this one question, it'll like, how do you know what you say to be true? How many, how many of us like sports? How many of we have any sports fans? Sports fans? How many of we have baseball fans? Do we have any baseball fans? I have really enjoyed watching the playoffs, right? I have really enjoyed it. I watched the Braves play the other night. I watched several innings of it. Normally, I don't get to sit through all of it, but it went into extra innings. Like it went, Anyway, I'll talk about it that later. But it, it, baseball is one of those one of those things, it's full of different nuances, it's full of different rules, and it's, it's all these different kind of things. Here's the, here's the thing. Okay, so in baseball, how many of you are pretty familiar with baseball? Do we have any, like, baseball pros here? All right, we, a lot of you. So to get a runner out, the ball has to get to the base before the runner, right? And if the ball hits the mitt on the bag, right, before the runner gets there, that runner is out. But did you know there's a little other rule to it? You see this. If there's a runner in front of them, you have to not only tag the base, but you have to touch them as well. Did you know that? Did you have to have the ball like this, you know, Kinsler right here is making that tag. He's tagging that there person. How do you know that rule to be true? Because here's what's happened, right? So many times we see a tantrum. 
<laughs> so many times we see one of those, uh, <laughs> one of the managers come running out of the dugout, right? Comes running out of the dugout, and he gets in the face of the referee going, <laughs> like this, right? Well, come on, this is a socially distanced, masked up game, right? You know, the manager comes out and goes, no, 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 you're wrong, you're wrong, all right? All the ref is doing, right, is abiding by what's written in a little rule book back in 19-something, right? Back way back when, and they are following the rules. The referee or the umpire in that point knows that to be true. But a lot of people argue it. Just like baseball players argue it. Here's the thing. We know that God's word is true, but so many of us take the approach of this here manager, and we doubt it. And we question it, and we argue with it, and then we get frustrated with it, and then we put it down. Because we do that with God's word, because we have not been convinced. In our hearts, we have not come to the resolution that what is said here is true, is right, is profitable for every believer. Ladies and gentlemen, I cannot tell you how important it is, this book, and how we need to engage in it. How do we know the Bible to be true? One is how it was written. Think about it. 66 books, all written by different individuals, right? Compiled over generations and come to land in this spot that we have right now. Before the printing press, it was a list of scrolls. It was different letters. It was different individual pieces. Then all of a sudden, things started to come together. And we have come to understand God's word right here. If you just think about how many generations this book, these words have been written and studied and understood and pursued, think about the millions, a gazillions of people before you and how they got a hold of God's word. And the same words that were written back then are the same words that are written right here. And if that ought to lead you to understand that there's a lot of truth here, that might help you. Maybe for the skeptic in the room, just think about that. Maybe even think about not only just the way it was written, but just think about all the archaeological evidence that is being proven even to this day of the stories that are written, Old and New Testament. How temples and churches are being unearthed. How different scrolls are being uh, found in caves out by the Dead Sea. Like they're finding all of these different things. Archaeological facts that prove the Bible to be true and the stories that are written here to be true. That's mind-boggling to me, to think about that. You know what? The Bible is also the number one bestseller of all time. There's, it's printed in more languages than any other book. Any other book. That's pretty cool to think about that. That this book has been, is so trustworthy and so worth it that it has been printed so many times in so many different languages for so many people to grab a hold of. That's mind-blowing to me. You know what? What else proves it to me? In a bookstore, the number one stolen item out of a bookstore. Do you know what that is? The Bible. I came across that fact this week and I went, are you kidding me? <laughs> Maybe a pencil? <laughs> the number one stolen thing out of a bookstore is a Bible. Man, that means some people really need it. Maybe some people really want it. That's wild to me. How, do you believe, do you, have you come to that place of understanding that this book is so important for you? And how dependent are you on it? 
Do you love it? Do you crave it? Do you desire it? Are you curious about it? Is there a curiosity about the words that are here and what it means for your life and how you are to engage in a relationship with God? So I want to talk about the big idea for the night. Here it is. Through the Bible, we know God himself, and we know how he speaks to us to live in order to follow Christ and experience his blessings. Hopefully you're writing that down. Through the Bible, we know God himself, and we know how he expects us to live in order to follow God and experience his blessings. I'm going to pick that apart here in just a few minutes. But this is so trust, this is such a great statement for us to grab a hold of. If I know the Bible is to be true, and I trust that the Bible is true, then it has everything that I need for godly living. It has everything that I need to understand what is the blessing of God on my life. And so it's three points. You ready? Here we go. We don't have all much time. I've got like, whoa, five minutes. All right, here we go. Number one, the Bible describes God's involvement with mankind. God is not absent. He never has been. And the Bible proves that to be true. It describes to us God's involvement into mankind. As you look at the Bible, you see how it starts in creation. We talked about that already. We see how in Genesis 1, God created all things right and perfect. But then what happened? Sin. Sin entered into the world. It fractured the world. Genesis 3. From that point forward, it is a story of redemption. It's a story of restoration, ultimately culminating in the coming of Jesus in the book of Revelation. It is a story of God's redemptive purpose and plan for mankind. Because sin has entered into the world, how can man who is sinful come into a relationship with the Lord and live in relationship with the Lord? And the Bible is that story and that, those principles in order for us to live in a godly, godly way. Number two, the Bible describes how we are to live in a Christ-like manner. It tells us how we are to live. Not only is the story of God and his involvement in mankind, but it's also how we are to live in a Christ-like manner. It tells us that we need to stay away from wickedness. We need to stay away from evil. It encourages us. It tells us. I love it. Psalm 105 tells, or 119, 105 tells us that thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. This is what I need in order to live in a Christ-like manner. It also tells us in Hebrews 4.12, it says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of the soul and spirit, both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts, this is amazing, and intentions of the heart. When you're engaged in God's word and you understand God's word and you're there and you're listening to it, it's amazing that the words that come out of those pages, how it lands on our hearts and it changes us from the inside out. It's amazing how God's word knows exactly what I need to hear in the time I need to hear it. But the only way that you're going to experience that is if you're in it. It's not just by osmosis. Lord, give it to me. It just doesn't happen that way. You could keep on trying. <laughs> it's just not. But if we want to understand how we are to live, we need to read what it has for us. 
Oh, it's so good. Number three, I could keep on going on that. That's so good. Um, Number three, the Bible describes how we can experience his blessings. How we can experience his blessings. And I'm going to help you out. Put sweat all over my Bible. I'm going to help you out real quick. You know how you can experience his blessings? It's a simple word. Obedience. If you want to experience the blessing of God in your life, Discover what it looks like to walk in obedience to his word. Learn what that means. Learn what that has to say for you. Ladies and gentlemen, it's just not going to happen by your church attendance. Godliness is just not going to happen because you, your heart's in the room. You have to do more. It's a requirement. It's an ask of God. That you would study his word, that you would know his word. Because as you know his word and study his word, it begins to transform you from the inside out. Which I believe that's what every one of us want in this room. Every one of us want to be transformed by God. Every one of us want to experience God. We want to experience the peace. We want to experience the blessing that comes. But the only way that that happens is if we're digging. And we're engaged. And we're devouring what is here for us. It describes how we can experience his blessings. We see that in Luke 20, uh, 11, 28, where Jesus says this. On the, to, to, it says, but he said, on the contrary, blessed are those who hear the word of God and observe it. That's Jesus. That's his command to us. Do you see that? The blessing comes for those who hear the word of God and observe it. It also tells us in James 1, 25, I love this one, this is, this is a zinger. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law, God's word, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effective doer, this man will be blessed in all that he does. Ladies and gentlemen, this book is necessary. It is essential for us and our relationship with God. And I pray That even tonight, as you connect with your life group leader, as you connect with each other, that you would look intently into this book together. You would read Psalm 1 and understand what it has to say about delighting in the law of the God, delighting in this book, and what it can do for your heart and your life. Ladies and gentlemen, what do I do from here? What's next? First, now what? You ready? Dust it off and pick it up. What do I need to do with it? I need to dust it off, and I need to pick it up. No longer does it need to sit on the shelf or the book stand. No longer does it need to sit off in mom and dad's room. No longer do I just pull it out when I come to church. No, 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 no. It's time to dust it off. It's time to pick it up. And number two, it's time to get in a group. Because when you get with a group of people, friends, and you look all together intently into God's word. It's amazing how your perspective can contribute to the next group and the perspective of someone else in that verse can really, it really challenges you. It really grows you in your relationship and in, in, in that uh, it grows you in godliness when you get in a group of people and you study God's word together. I think so many people miss out on the beauty of being in a group centered around God's word. And I pray tonight as we have been honestly struggling through groups for the past six months, nine months now. We have been struggling to figure out how this is going to work. Is it going to be in Zoom? Is it going to be at the park? Is it going to be everywhere? I pray that tonight, as we have carved out time, that you would understand and you would grab onto the reality 
that being in a group is probably one of the best things that is for my life. And one of the best things even for me right now, in the middle of a pandemic, I need people around me that are going to encourage me, they're going to inspire me, and they're going to point me into God's word. And I pray tonight would be the night that you would do that. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, I am so thankful for this moment. And I'm so thankful for your word. And Lord, I pray that as we move into our group time, that you would genuinely speak. That your voice would be the voice that we would hear loud and clear tonight. And Lord, I pray that if there is someone here tonight that doesn't know you as their personal Lord and Savior, I pray that tonight in that small group, they would tell their leader exactly what's going on. And Lord, I pray that there would be a shifting in their heart off of self to you. For Lord, we trust you. We surrender our hearts and lives to you in this moment. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.